Major Garrett is CBS's chief Washington correspondent. He's the guy in charge of the Takeout podcast. Four o'clock this Saturday, you can hear that. And his book is The Big Truth. It's a great book. You need to pick it up for the world we live in. It's just so relevant. Major, thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon, John. Great to be with you. So Joe Biden announces in a video very early this morning that he indeed will seek re-election. He uh, does it through a video, doesn't give a chance for any questions or any really interaction at all. Here's my question, Major, and I don't know a delicate way to ask this. He will be 86 years old at the end of his second term if re-elected. No matter how brilliant you are, nobody's at their peak when they're 86 years old. Uh, I don't even know what the question is. I guess it's an observation. That seems so old, Major. No question. Uh, It would be without precedent in our country's history. And one of the odd things about this emerging race, John, and I describe it as that only because there's so much thing, so many things need to happen before we know for certain that Trump and Biden will be the nominees as they appear to be the nominees for their party. The one thing that strikes me that we do know for sure is Democrats are more eager for Trump to be the Republican nominee and Republicans are more eager for Biden to be the Democratic nominee than members of their respective parties are for them to be their nominees. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah, they're, yeah. they're each one. Yeah. They're beatable. Biden, and Democrats want to run against Trump. But Democrats are not all that psyched about Biden. And Republicans, some are very psyched about Trump, but many are still looking around. So it just seems really interesting to me that, that the two parties are fixated on who they want to run against not so much fixated and sold on who they want to represent them. And I just find that one of the many oddities of this emerging 2024 presidential campaign. Speaking of of the Republican race, DeSantis is expected to make a official run. Mm-hmm. And he's is he waiting too long to declare his run for president? So it's a very good question. And it's being debated within DeSantis circles as we speak. They always had the idea in mind to wait until the Florida legislative session was over. I mean, for a very practical reason, the Florida legislature has to change the law in Florida about whether or not you run for a higher office, having to vacate the office you currently occupy. They want to make it so he can be governor and run for president at the same time. Under Florida law, you can't do that yet. And that process is working through the state Senate. So there's a practical reason to wait for the Florida legislative session to be over. But they always wanted to also have that to have rack up all these conservative victories and then have this agenda just passed to contrast with everyone else in the field. And that's still what they're going to do. The best reporting that I have and my colleagues here at CBS have is that it'll be late in May or maybe Memorial Day weekend for the rollout. So he's committed. He's going to run. But you're on to something. And lots of DeSantis supporters are nervous about this. The Trump has been landing some very good blows. Yes, because he was in the news so much, he sort of jumped out ahead in national polls. Remember, national polls are totally irrelevant in primaries. You win state by state, then you build your own momentum to other states. But they do feel, some in the DeSantis circles, that Trump has landed more punches than they were expecting, landed them harder, and their counterpunching has only been minimally effective. And that has caused some concern among DeSantis fundraisers and donors, but they're going to stick to their plan. And it's one of these tricky moments in a campaign where you have to have your plan, you have to have your own sense of internal confidence, and outside factors will make you question that. And you've got to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to change my strategy or am I going to stick with what I want to do? Right now, DeSantis is still sticking with that original strategy, 
third week of May, maybe the last week of May, but there's a lot more energetic self-doubting about that now than there was, say, a month ago. And this is one of the things that campaigns go through even before they launch, and DeSantis is going through that now. CBS's chief Washington correspondent, Major Garrett, is with us. Major, the debt ceiling continues to be in the news. Tell me why I should care about the debt ceiling. You should care about it because it could bring on a recession even more rapidly than many economists believe one is heading toward us. And the reason I point that out is because the politics of it make absolutely no sense to me if you're a congressional Republican. Look, the Consumer Confidence Report came out from the conference board today, and it shows the lowest number of consumer confidence in the future of the U.S. economy in almost a year. Consumers are feeling a recession is coming. And when consumers feel recession is coming, they act in a more protective, less expansive, less spending way. What does that do? It hastens a recession. The one thing that congressional Republicans could do right now to shift blame for a coming recession is to precipitate a debt ceiling crisis. Because if there is one, whatever is happening that's recessionary in the economy will happen more rapidly. Because people will wonder about the full faith and credit of the United States. They'll wonder about it in June, not in the fall when the recession might come. So the one thing Republicans could do to put blame on their shoulders politically for a recession is precipitated debt crisis, which apparently is exactly what they're aiming to do. If a recession is coming and the incumbent is going to be saddled with that recession, and there's plenty of evidence to suggest that there is, Why not have the incumbent, meaning President Biden, shoulder all the blame? Apparently, Republicans think they need to get on the blame game, too. Why? I can't quite figure out at all. Yeah, I I absolutely hate that, Major. You know, one thing I love is to take out podcasts. So I was listening to you sent me, uh, thank you, the Roy Wood Jr. podcast, The Mm -hmm. Comedian. I was on Mm -hmm. my treadmill, and I decided (laughs) I would listen to it. And I laughed out loud so hard that I basically fell off the treadmill almost. My wife said, is everything okay up there? And I said, I'm listening to Major Garrett's podcast. She said, you don't usually laugh out loud when you're listening to Major's podcast. Is it clean? No, no. Yes, it's clean. It's funny. Exactly. So um, I've really taken a little bit of a turn in April uh, toward the sort of the comedy axis of my life. And I love comedians. I spend a lot of time paying attention to comedy. And when I can book them on the show, I can. And we're going to have three comedians or three comedy-themed episodes the month of April. We're going to talk to Matt Friend later this week. He's an incredibly wildly successful Instagram comedian. He does other things. He does stand-up. He's hugely popular on Instagram and TikTok. Matt Friend? His impersonations, politics. Yeah, Matt Friend. So that'll be three comedy shows this month of April. And Roy Wood Jr., he's going to be the comedian at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. We we (laughs) taped that in New York. He's a he's a he's correspondent for the Daily Show for years. He's been a recent uh, substitute host. I asked him, "Do you want the show?" He goes, "Of course, I want the show." <laughs> and as you said, he's funny. He's naturally funny. My only goal, John, in these shows, only one goal: if I can organically make a professional comedian laugh at something I said, then I'm basically <laughs> done for the show. Well, then you succeeded. One authentic laugh out of the comedian, as a professional. <laughs> Laugh machine, then I'm very happy. You were funny, Major. You're you're as funny as he is. I, I mean no, that. No, you were very no. funny. Are you studying that as like a structure, is, yeah, a comedic a structure, or are you are you off, are you funny off the off the you know offhand funny? 
I, I like to think I am funny uh, in an offhanded, uh, clever, in the moment sort of way. Yeah. But I also That's have deep respect for people who do this work for a living. It's much harder than it looks, and they are craftspeople, females and males who who do stand up, who do the the terrifying work of stand up. You know, I mean, George Carlin always used to joke about it. Uh, He'd come out on stage and he'd say, let's make sure we all understand each other. I'm here for me. You're here for me. No one's here for you. Okay? <laughs> and that would, like, shift all of the energy, like, from being afraid of dying out there and no one laughing at your jokes to, like, getting everyone to laugh and join into it. So people who are really skilled at this and who work at it all the time have my absolute respect. But if I can crank one little laugh out of them, I call it a day for myself. Check out the Takeout Podcast, 4 o'clock on Saturday here on WTMJ. Major Garrett is CBS's Chief Washington Correspondent. Good stuff, Major. Thank you so much. Thank you, John.